I'm Adam Hergenrother and welcome to Business Meets Spirituality. This is a show for leaders and high achievers who've experienced success on the outside and still feel like something is missing in their life, who have made money and accomplished big goals, but then ask themselves, is this all there is? After all, business is nothing but a conduit for your personal growth. Need nothing and enjoy everything. This is Business Meets Spirituality. Hey everyone, I am Adam Hergenrother and welcome to Business Meets Spirituality, where we believe in personal growth through business success. As always, I am joined by the one and only Hallie Warner. And today we really want to jump into a conversation that was had with a group of amazing leaders at Project U over the weekend. We asked participants to come in with their kind of largest challenge, if you will. The segment of this quarter is about leadership, communication, and relationships. And what's really fascinating is that leadership's a broad topic to be able to have conversations around. And we overwhelmingly, Hallie, right? We had mm-hmm. people asking about how to create deep and meaningful relationships in business and at home. And it sparked a monster of a conversation. We got really deep in this. And so we are here wanting to talk about this because I think it can provide a lot of value because man, it is one of the fundamental parts of being human is to want to connect at the deepest level and have these deep and meaningful relationships, right? So how do you have a deep and meaningful relationship? Well, over the weekend, we kind of put this formula together. And, and again, be just because sometimes it's like the, it's nice to have a formula you can follow to work on yourself for all of this. And it looks like this. We're going to break down each of the segments. Is for, for First, in order to have, I kind of like to work backwards and I'll say it forwards too. It's just easier that way. To have a deep and meaningful relationship, you have to have a deep and meaningful conversation, right? It can't be a subservice conversation. It's got to be a deep and meaningful conversation. In order to have a deep and meaningful conversation, you need to be present with the individual. Uh, And we'll break that down. In order to be present with the individual, I believe that you have to have an unconditional love for yourself. So the formula starting first would be you you first accept who you are, that yearning for authenticity of this unconditional love for yourself. Remember, self-leadership precedes leadership. Again, it's the same thing. It's it's unconditional love for you. We'll break that down. The second one is is presence. Um, having this deep presence with your when you're with the individual it doesn't mean you just give your time and everything. You're just deep and present when you're with the person. That leads to a very meaningful conversation, right? Which then ultimately leads to a deep and meaningful relationship, right? Because the sometimes the communication is the relationship. That's why and it works in this formula. So number one, kind of you have the formula, but there's a couple kind of presets that I want to talk about before we even break down each part of the formula, which number one is in order for you to start working on all of this, and this kind of goes with being unconditional love, is you have to make peace with the outcome. So when you when you hear that, like making peace with the outcome, that you, your mind could probably go in a lot of different directions. In this particular context, making peace with the outcome means if you're about to have a deep and meaningful conversation with somebody, you can't get deep and meaningful if you have a, a preconceived notion or a condition or a bias in how you want the conversation to go. You are allowing the conversation to end how it needs to end. And I'm going to give you some examples of this. I'm just trying to use words to describe this about making peace with the outcome. And this doesn't mean like, hey, I'm, I'm okay with like, it, well, hold on. it can actually be simple things. It can be like, if you're having a conversation with your partner, like your intimate partner, and you are having a conversation about where to go to dinner. If you make peace with the outcome of where you go to dinner, it makes that 
conversation much more fun versus if you have a way and you're just asking your partner where you want to go to dinner, but you're bringing to yourself where it is you already want to go to dinner. It just, what's the point of even having the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Because you've already made up your mind. Then you're going to try to influence your way because that's what you do about how to get roundabout and then uh, ultimately end up in the place that you wanted to. Uh, or you just, I see this with my kids, right? They're like, <laughs> we're scrolling through Netflix and my oldest daughter will go, I want this show. And and instantly, I know my son likes it, but he says, no, I don't want that show. Only because Sienna said no, right? And then the next time we get onto a show that I know they both like, and then Sienna will say no because Asher chose it, right? And so then as soon as they do that, my what I do is I turn off the TV instantly. And I just turn it off. And I said, great, nobody watches the show. Leadership is about being both of them to come in there. And they're like, no, no, we'll agree, we'll agree. And then all of a sudden, it's instantly, they both agree on one of the shows that we just talked about, right? Um, just a little side note for those things. So, how do you make peace with the outcome? Because I think it starts with this. When we think about a deep and meaningful relationship and we think about a deep and meaningful conversation, it means really getting deep with the individual. Not necessarily deep in every conversation, but you're you're getting, you're asking the tough questions with their lives. Because I, I think that's where a deep and meaningful relationship can stem from. Things like, you know, hey, how do you think our relationship is going? Right? Where do you see our relationship going? If you had to rate our marriage right now on a scale of one to 10, where would it be? And it's not like every time you get home from dinner, you say, hey, where's our marriage? One to 10, right? Where, where do you think we're at, right? Which you can do if that's a conversation you guys want to have, you can check in on that. But it's really about getting to this deep conversation. Now, why don't people ask that though, right? The re- they're afraid of the they're answer. They're afraid of the answer. They're afraid of the answer every time. And I use that because then instantly people can, hopefully you can feel that, that response when I say it. But it goes way beyond that, right? It goes to little things like walking in and asking your boss for something because you're afraid of the answer. Mm-hmm. What if they do something else? Or you're, you know... Well, I was going to say another example is the, as the leader of the organization having those tough conversations with your employee because you're afraid they may leave. Yes. Or they might sue you. Yes, <laughs> or, or whatever. Or, or whatever, whatever it is. But if, yeah, if you can make peace with that, then the conversation gets a lot further. Doesn't it? Because then when you, when you sit down with somebody and you, you kind of have an idea of what you need to coach them on or help them through is just from a leadership position, the business side, people get so afraid to mention like a, having this conversation because you're so tied up to like, man, I'm walking on eggshells with this person because if I say the wrong thing and they're such a producer, then man, maybe they leave, maybe they go somewhere else or, mm-hmm. but that's not a way to have a deep and meaningful relationship, which you know, at work and in your business life, it doesn't matter what kind of office you have. It doesn't matter what your home looks like. What matters most is the connections and the relationships you have with the people while you're working or while you're at home. I can think of in our own kind of trilogy of events that have happened building organizations, it's been um, in, Hallie, if you remember, like we were in like, like we had a nice office, then we, we kind of built. And then for the next like six years, we were like in and out of closets. Yes. Right? The entire time, moving every like three to four months. I remember one time Hallie was like outside my door, like there was like a mat there. Like I don't even know like what it, it was. was a, like, it was a cube, a cube but like it was. But it right, wasn't a very nice one. It was, and it was <laughs> doors were hitting it, and we were so loud. In in Blackrock side, we had like three or four people, which is like the loudest people in the world in like a ten by ten office. And it didn't, you know, it's yes, there's perks to having. Now we have a beautiful, you know, gorgeous office building, which is nice. But what matters is the people that fill it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's why when we're at work or when we're at our, and when you go home, you can have, and maybe people have experienced this, you can have this amazing house. It's, and frankly, I've done a lot of them. Right. And you, if you come home and you don't have this connection with the people that are there, it doesn't matter what the house is. Yet you can go on a vacation and it can rain every day, but you're with six of your best friends and you're having deep conversations. It's, you just had so much fun. Mm-hmm. Hey, it rained every day, but we did this. Right. 
Or you can say, hey, we went on this amazing vacation and we had the perfect weather, yet we didn't have that connection and it sucked. Mm -hmm. If you're honest with yourself, right? And I, I think we've all experienced, I know me personally, I have experienced both sides of those things. So the crux of this conversation comes down to is how do I have deep and meaningful relationships? The first step to all of this is making peace with the outcome. So you can actually, which is the second step, the kind of the precursor, right? The second step is creating a safe psychological space for people. Right. So when, when you hear that, Hallie, what's going through your head, by the way? I was going to say something about the, the making peace with, with the outcome. It, I mean, it takes courage. Yes. And it, it, you know, when you go into a conversation and you leave it and you're like, oh, I wish I had said yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think about that a lot in, in business. Like you had that impulse that you like, you knew you should have said something to a coworker or even in your personal relationships. It's actually like listening to that voice and saying those things, which is really scary. But as long as you can make peace with whatever that outcome is, you actually say the thing that needs to be said. Yeah. I feel, I feel like just like doors open and yeah, and you can really get at the heart of whatever the issue is. And I think a lot of leadership books have danced around this conversation, right? They just talked about like creating radical conversations, creating a safe workplace environment. And look, creating a safe workplace environment isn't like 500 years ago where people are like killing people left and right for like being at work. Most people have a safe work environment physically. However, we've now transferred a lot of that energy to having, to not having a safe psychological place, right? And emotional. Emotional, being able to share things, a safe space to be able to do that. And that's a conversation. And the reason why that becomes a conversation is when everybody starts acting that way, if everyone in the group or you have a team meeting is having a safe space, right? Then everybody, or I'm sorry, is, is both making peace first with the outcome. They're not bringing their agenda into it. Mm-hmm. They may have an idea that they want to share, but they don't need to be right. They want the company to be right. And so by having this making peace of the outcome, you actually start creating this, this, um, an immense amount of creativity from the, from the conversation. Otherwise you, you may be afraid to say something because somebody just needs to be right. Right. And you, and you lose the ability to have this radical conversation. Right. Or you're, you're afraid of judgment. You're afraid of being fired. You're afraid of getting divorced. You're afraid of upsetting somebody. You're afraid of, I mean, it's all fear. It's all fear. Fear based for both making peace of the outcome in not cultivating that safe space. Yeah. And so one of the first, I, I believe the first way in terms of making peace with the outcome comes from you unconditionally loving yourself. Right. And I know that that sounds I was like, I mean, what does that even mean? What do you mean? mean? Right. Like I know just like unconditionally love myself, right? Like you just want to go hug yourself. How do you know? How do you know? Well, I think what it is 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 you just this is why this inner journey is so important. And you know, one of the things that we've been sharing a lot is you know, I have it memorized, but Hallie, of course, put it right in front of me to make sure I get every word accurate on this because we've been using it. Since the next generation of leaders are just as committed to their inward growth and spiritual life as they are to spreadsheets and bottom lines, i.e. business. And I think that's such a powerful statement about all of this, which means that having this inward growth, right, this opportunity to go inward means you have to explore why you don't feel worthy. And just another word for worthy would be unconditional love. And I just, I, I naturally go to that word, but really what it comes down to is, am I worthy? Am I, it, do I feel valued? Do I have a sense? Because look, if you feel worth, when's the last time you looked into a six month old eyes and you were worried about being judged, <laughs> right? If you think about it, or even a year, even a three-year-old, right? Like if, who can talk now, you, you share something with them 
and you have they're not judging you they're not looking you're looking in the eyes and you can share anything that you wanted to with them and they'd be like three-year-olds are kind of judgy though sometimes aren't they? I, I mean I, I look at my three-year-old <laughs> and i'm like and i share anything like i could say anything with him and he would just tell me the honest answer it's I, not, yeah, it's not com- judgment it's, it's just it's honesty, honesty. And yeah. that's why, because they have a safe place, they, they're not worried about what you feel, how they're going to say it back to you. And yeah. they, we start messing that up a little, a few years, right? But it's, that's what happens. You start covering it up, right? Just, as you cover up. So you have to learn how to uncover to, ha- to get this worthiness place. But it really starts making peace of the outcome. Making peace of the outcome really comes from having a real sense of worthiness for what you're doing and who you are, right? Who you are is the individual experiencing all of this. But if you're so tied up into who you are as to what people think you are or this character that you've created or listening to that voice of what you like, what you don't like, what you should or why this person's there or somebody gets a car and you don't like the car because it's the wrong color. If you're so caught up into that mind space, then you're never going to truly right appreciate who you are and what you can contribute. And so when we start from this conversation, um, how you start how you start doing this is basically the entire conversation we've been having on this podcast, which is surrendering to life, right? It's in that, to me, that just means that you, you don't, you stop fighting what you want. It doesn't mean you just sit back and lay down. It means that you can be, you can work 24 hours a day, still surrendering to life for those different things. So making peace with the outcome means that you're surrendering to the outcome that's going to happen. Does that tie it back for you? Like, does it, does, is really like, it's, it's making peace with the outcome means that you're surrendering to it. If you just start applying that all the time, then you're, no, you're not worried about what people think you are because it doesn't matter. Those are just thoughts. They're not even real anyways. They don't hold any substance to it. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to be there tomorrow like you listen to this or you listen to it somewhere else and all of a sudden tomorrow you're going to walk in there and be like, I'm a free bird, right? I don't really care. It's sequential. And Caitlin and Hallie and I were having this conversation today where spirituality becomes this growth where in the beginning when you get hooked on something, like if you were going to say something, then all of a sudden the fear jumped in and it holds you. As you start to work on your, your unconditional love, your worthiness on these things, that pull to keep you from saying something starts to loosen. It starts to loosen and loosen. And over time, you realize there's no longer this pull to hold you. And then you just start sharing. And then you realize what you get beyond that is this really cool place to be, which where you can unconditionally love yourself. You can and, and you can then create this safe space. Do you find that this is kind of a random question, but this that unconditional love, that worthiness, but then you're surrendering, it feels to me a little bit and not being afraid to say whatever you want to say, it feels a little selfish or self-indexed and almost yeah. like you're not being sensitive or caring about who's on the other side of what you feel like you need to say. So how do you still interact with people and build those meaningful meaningful relationships and connections when you're just, I feel the pull to say it, I'm going to say it. I don't necessarily care what other somebody else thinks. That's a good thing, but it can also be an Bad thing. It's a great point. I don't think you're reckless with it. I think that once you start operating from that place, then it just comes out. If something comes out wrong, people feel the intention behind your comment. So okay. if it comes from a place of ego or comes to a place of being right, you can feel that difference. Just like that's why I go back to using like a child that's three, four, two, or one. When you share it, they may say something right back to you that's like, whoa, that's startling, mm. but they didn't say it with any attachment to it. They said it because there's a safe spot, space because they don't know any different, right? right? They're just there experiencing the world. They see everyone as everybody, right? They're just experiencing all of that. So you can do it. And that's what we have to uncover back to in order to create this safe space is understanding that we can share things. And yes, we may be wrong, but we're not saying it to hurt somebody. 
or to right or to be right or to or exactly for a selfish intention. Yeah. You're saying it's simply because you're pulled to say it, and hopefully it makes a difference. So the next time you are field that you walk into a meeting and all of a sudden you listen to this and all of a sudden you have this urge to say something, just kind of quietly ask yourself, am I saying this to be right? Am I saying this because um, to feel superior superior or to feel ahead of somebody or am I contributing? And as as you work through this, you'll start to, you start to, and And, and don't be afraid to be wrong with that because as you're testing it out, you may say the wrong thing at the wrong time. exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. And, it, and it starts, and if, if you're listening like, well, my workplace isn't there yet, well, be the person that changes the workplace, mm-hmm. right? That's why I hear question. that a lot, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's just people are like, well, I'm not there yet. Or we just made a hire. And then one of their comments is like, man, I can't believe I found a place like this that actually in the original, uh, one of the interviews that we had, we did a group <laughs> interview, Hallie and I were arguing, which is, you know, just a fun way of us talking. And he looks at us at like halfway through this and he's like, man, if I said a fraction of what you guys just had this conversation to with my boss, like I would be fired. Mm-hmm. And it was just, uh, and we we're like, what? I know, and I kind <laughs> of started apologizing and he yeah, was like, was, no, don't apologize. Yeah. I love the transparency and in, I don't even in, think in, it, in was the trust. it was that. It was the big t- one either. We yeah, had a lot oh, much worse. Yeah. Right? And so it, it is, but it was that trust. And he instantly, what he recognized was like, man, this is a safe, safe space. place. Mm-hmm. And that's just what it is. Is like, you can have opinions, right? You can have them, but you're not afraid to share them because it doesn't mean you just walk around just accepting everybody. That's not what we're saying. It's just, it's how you say it. Remember, inward growth isn't necessarily about changing what you do or even what you say. It's changing what part of you is saying it or what part of you is doing it. And that becomes a different place because people, feel that type of energy. Mm. And they can feel whether or not it's coming from a place of, you can even think about all those things. I want to be right. I want to do it. And you can even feel this, even even myself, even working on this, even talking to you guys, I can feel myself in meetings sometimes wanting to be right. Mm -hmm. And then I just got to go, oh, I need to just pause for a second. And then just, okay, you may be right, right? Just, just that awareness is really critical. It doesn't mean it can't pull you back in there though. It will. So when when you say that I'm hearing, like you have to make peace with the, especially when we have our conversations, arguments, making peace with the outcome, but also neither, we don't, either one of us take those conversations personally. No, you don't. But yet, sometimes I hear people say, everything is personal, because how could it not be? How is a word personal? I don't know. That's, well, that's the question. I I take very little personally. It's just a thought. It's what, how you attribute, and then your narration of the word is what you start taking personally. It's it's a your interpretation you, of you hear a word right. and you start interpreting it as to how your belief system works with that word. And if that belief system doesn't recognize that word in a positive way, then it just works backwardly and say this is a negative, this is an attack on me. Mm. Whereas if somebody else in the same room heard the same word and their belief system care. is that it's positive, then they don't care. Right. And so part of that, the reality though is it doesn't actually matter if you're conditioned and you take it positive or negatively. The whole goal is to get behind all of that, <laughs> right. right? That's the it, it actually doesn't matter if you believe or disbelieve. It's it's you're still thinking about it instead of being able to remove all that and just experiencing it. That's the depth of experience. How do you think that leaders can create that sort of safe space? Yeah. Well, at, at home, and, but I, I mean, I'm talking about business specifically, but I mean, you can translate to home yeah. life as well. Well, I think it shows up for them being that person, right? Of being vulnerable, of sharing appropriate things that you need to share um, that feel 
hard to share, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Or that if you're having a bad day, walking in here, I mean, I've walked into this room before, both of you just say, hey, I'm just, I'm, I'm off today, right? Like, mm-hmm. I just need a few minutes, right? Like, or, you know, if, if you're going through something, just, I'm also, I try to be an open book for things too, because I just want to practice that of not trying to hold and keep energy down for anything. Because man, think about how much, you don't even realize the depth of energy that goes on for trying to hold things down. Do you find that you're, I mean, are you selective about who you share those things with? I mean, I have a um, podcast and I'm sharing with them. Well, I mean, we don't, know, we yeah, don't, no, we're not going it. into like yeah. all the, de- you know, yeah. details of, you know, personal life and, and all of that, but I would, the only reason why I don't is to respect other people's parties. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I mean, even I'm, th- I think about this in business all of the time, where's the line between being yeah, that vulnerable, transparent leader and making sure that, and sharing and sharing appropriately and with the right right yeah. people or do you just share with everybody and 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 or how do you protect i don't want to say protect me but maybe it's not, not the right word but the rest of the organization so that you're not creating fear throughout the organization or everyone thinks they're going to lose their job because maybe there's something going on behind yeah. the scenes that you're working on that you're going to fix and you know you know what i'm yeah, saying yeah I, I think there's two things there i think if you share something publicly and it's going to hurt somebody you don't I think that's kind of the, the quick test. If I share something that's going to hurt somebody individually for what I share, then I don't. In the second type of an example, if your company is facing bankruptcy because you have no cash, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with not sharing that, right? I think you should share that with everybody. I think people should understand where they are. A great example of this is Apple. Mm-hmm. Steve Jobs came back in. There was 90 days left of cash flow and they were hemorrhaging money faster than anything else would. He came in there. But part of the reason why he shared with everybody is because he let go of the outcome. He came in there at the ninth hour, right, to try to save this. And so what did he do? He walked in there and said, we have three months left of cash to live. If we don't change something, then nobody has a job here. And nobody, people just didn't get up and walk away. Mm. They actually, the key people supported him. Maybe somebody will, left, yeah. but they're, they may not be the right person or it's, that's not a judgment. They just, they leave, right? That's them. Oh, yeah, right. It really goes back. And that's because I haven't made peace with the outcome for some of some of these things. I'm like a little bit more protective of, I don't know if we should share that with everybody. Yes. And it's because I haven't made peace with the outcome. Also, it's not, I mean, as an employee and not the owner of the company, I, you know, I'm always going to d- defer to, to you yeah. to a certain Well, I think degree. part of what it is is too, is people want to protect, they, they think they're trying to protect their people. Yeah. And, and like they, they can shield it as a leader. You want to kind of shield it. And that's the yes. other side of this. It's not necessarily like, what are people going to think? It's more of like, what's well, my job to protect them? Yes. That's where I come from. And, and mm-hmm. I think w- what you're doing is you're actually, you're not protecting them. Mm, because yeah. if you don't get it fixed, now they're going to show up one day and there's not going to be a company there. There's a deadbolt on it or something, right? right. Then it just shows up there versus going and seeing who's going to support you. I, I think it's being selective about what you share too, because sometimes you don't want to distract. For me, it's a, a just it's like, do I really want to distract them with? What's well, a different X Y Z? Well, distractions are complete. I think I, I'm I'm talking you know? about like existential threat type things to share that are vulnerable. I mean, if you're if you're having a problem with an employee, you don't just need to share that with the entire company, right? Right. If you're having a problem with a potential client that you're fixing, you don't need to necessarily share that with the entire company. But you pick the people who are working on that problem and you share right. it with them. Versus a client calls you and you're maybe they're a major producer for you and they have a problem, you don't need to protect that from the key people that are going to go solve that problem. You pull them in, you share that oh, with them totally in there, right? Agree. Those yeah. type of things. Yeah. They're just different levels of, of examples. But it is still being discerning about who and, I mean, that's part of being well, that's a, more of a, a leader. Action, I think. I think it's just determining who needs to know the information yes. to solve the problem. If there's a company-wide problem, don't, don't mind sharing that. If there's a culture problem, think about what companies have done now. There's a culture problem, they share it with the news. 
So everyone, they send an email to the entire company that they're, hey, look, we've, we just surveyed this and we realized that we have 27% women in the workforce who are making 15% less money. This is, our, this is our next plan. They share that with the entire company, right? So it's like, it's those type of things that are going to benefit or affect anybody. They're willing to share that and they're willing to do what they are. I even think about it in my own life and maybe you think about it in your, in your perspective too, or both of you ladies, if somebody becomes vulnerable with you and not trying to protect it, then he said, look, hey, we are having this big this big cash crisis or we have a cultural problem. Naturally, I think both of you would just go like, well, how can I help? Right? Like it's just- I think you do need to have, it goes back to the relationship. Exactly. You have like vulnerability is great, but not for vulnerability's sake. Yes. You really do need to have that sort of trust and some sort of relationship with the person. Or otherwise, if I'm hearing from some person I have no relationship with and they're just like, I'm being vulnerable and I'm sharing. And I'm like, I have not earned the right to hear that story. Yeah. Versus if either one of you were sharing something really vulnerable with me, I'd say, okay, yes, yeah. let's fix this. Yeah. So I, so again, so hopefully that gives people some examples, but it comes back to making peace with the outcome ultimately. And that's what you're doing when you're sharing a company wide, like you just did a survey and you realize that our culture is not where it is, or you got results back that you weren't favorable from the whole organization when everyone just took the assessment and not sharing that information. <laughs> right. That is stuff where you're just saying, I don't want to share it because I'm afraid of the results that are people going to see it, how they're going to judge me. Mm-hmm. Or, but, or half the workforce might leave and exactly, exactly. we're going to have to rebuild. Versus yeah. the, pro- the thing is you have a reality, you have a problem, right? The only way you're going to fix that is by sharing it out there and saying, hey, I can't fix this. I need help. Mm-hmm. Who wants to come together and help me fix this? Mm-hmm. Some people raise their hand, some people won't right? You're going to lose people either way. You might as well be vulnerable about the outcome of what's going on and then elicit help and then kind of rebuild the structure for it, right? Do you think there's a difference between being vulnerable and just and being honest? Well, I think they, they kind of, they, it's like a big sister and little brother, right? They go together. Being vulnerable means you're being honest. Yeah. I think being honest doesn't always mean you're being vulnerable. Agreed. Yeah. I just think honesty is you're willing to have an honest conversation with somebody and that may be about them. I think if it comes to be about you, that's when vulnerability comes in. So for you or the organization. With a little bit in the vulnerability to me is more of the emotion in the personal side. How are you going to feel? Honest is just laying the laying the cards on the table and saying, yeah. here are the facts. I mean, just if you just if all the listeners just thought for a second, just for a second before your mind told you why this would be just such a terrible idea or anything that's going on there. What would it what would it be like, right, to walk around, just walk around, not having any type of worrying about what people thought and just shared anything, not like in a negative way, not this. They just literally walked around free, not trying to hold anything down, like you were just able to just walk around completely free, without like if a thought came in there, you just shared it. You're not trying to judge in your mind of like, should I share this? Should I not share this? Like, what would that look like, right? Part of me says really amazing and freeing, and part of me says very confusing and potentially disruptive. And I'm not saying you need to go to that course. I'm just trying to say, like, if you just went to that place for a second of just, what if I just didn't worry about any of the outcomes? I just want you to get that feeling of that freedom, that liberation is probably a better word, Mm. how you walk around. Because then you're not walking around worrying about what somebody's thinking, worrying about what you're going to say, worrying about the car you drive, worrying about where you live, worrying about all these, right? You're just not doing that. You're just now experiencing how life is taking us down this river at each junction. We get to make decisions and we get to live and experience that. Because you are enough, you are worthy, yes. and you unconditionally love yourself. Exactly. Which is the start of the first formula, right? Which is that, un, that kind of unconditional love, that worthiness, and that making peace 
with all of that. That's kind of the first place that you start. So again, if you want a, a tactical example to take away from that first kind of step is how do you make peace with something that's small? I use the example of going to dinner. Maybe it's making peace with, you know, you have there's three decisions in the group and everyone always comes to you and you say, you know what, I don't really care. Why don't you guys make a decision and just make peace with it? Or something that you feel strongly about like that, but doesn't really have a material impact on your life. Start by making peace with that. Just start small and watch that permeate into the rest of your life. Right, it's just amazing how that that can happen. By the way, by the way, this also we're talking a lot about business. This goes dramatically into your personal life. One of the things we've been having a lot of conversation around recently, um, and we're looking to hopefully do a series on this is just the you grow so much in the business, right? You grow as a personal. You're listening to this and you're growing, and then you have this this intimate partner, right, who may not be growing at the same level. And we're talking about the growth you grow. What about your whole family? What about your, or just not about family, what about your intimate partner, right? Are they growing? What's their vision? Are you setting the vision and you're just pulling them along? Where does that play into it? Do you ever stop and realize that? And it's just, it's a whole conversation. But part of it is, is if you don't, if you, the reason why you don't have that conversation or you may be not as connected to your partner as you once were is because you stop having those deep and meaningful conversations because you're afraid of the outcome. Like, hey, how is our marriage doing? Mm-hmm. I mean, when's the, think about just asking that question. How many people would even go out and ask that right now? <laughs> Who wants to actually know the real response? Oh, it's fine. Is it? Mm. Is it really fine? Where are you at? Right? In my experience, kind of sharing that and just, and just getting a, a tone of this in people in my life and just different things like that. I find that a lot of people <laughs> need to work on the relationship. It doesn't mean they need to go separate. It just means that like we work on ourselves and work on this business and yet we drift apart because we're growing differently. It doesn't mean you still don't love each other. It doesn't mean you still don't have that relationship. Mm-hmm. Just I would really engage by making peace with the outcome in your personal life by having some of these conversations. It is strengthen your bond and your relationship by creating a vision. That's a whole other episodes that we're going to be talking about. But anyways, that making peace with it really stems on both sides. Because once you start making peace with it in your, your personal life, you can't, it's not like you're going to necessarily show up to work and start faking that. Like it just permeates everywhere, leaks into every part of your life. Can you, before you go on to this, this yeah. next step, can you just kind of wrap up the unconditional love for me? Like, is it just about making peace with the outcome or is it... What else can what else can well, I do? I'm just trying can, to use words to I get do? people to do everything about making feeling worthy, which ought, to me just is is just making peace with the outcome, so that you don't feel like you need to con- say something or be something to somebody, and that's why you feel unworthy. Got it. Okay. And so that's that's really I'm just we're using words to try to guide you to gain the experience as close as we can. That words can actually get you there, right? Words are like the menu until you eat the food, you're not going to experience it. It's the same thing with this too, as well. That makes sense. Yes first step to getting towards a meaningful relationship and connection is unconditionally loving, loving yourself. yourself by making peace with the outcome. Yes, for who you are. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Second one is presence, right? Because before you can actually sit down, and the reason why there's, there's a rhythm to this, before you can actually sit down and have and be present with the individual, like in the conversation, whether that's your business partner or whether that's your partner at home or whether that's a stranger, is that if you are bringing an agenda, that's why number one is so important. If you're bringing an agenda or an outcome or I'm going to influence this person or something along those lines, then you're really not being present because all you're doing is you're sitting in your head telling yourself what you don't like or what you dislike or what you like about what this person is saying. And therefore, you're just lost in the conversation in your head instead of actually being present with the person. I mean, you know, it's we've all experienced individuals who have just been deeply present with us. And really one of the cool things that I found is if you really are engaged with somebody, the way you look at them in their eye, the way you connect with them, they feel that differently. 
And that means that you're not in your mind thinking and you kind of off look their eyes. You get really get attached to it. Like think about, I always go back to kids because I have you know three of them that are running around my house all the time. Man, if you like, how deeply do you look into your kid's eyes, right? Like just you look at them so deeply because you're not afraid of what that is and you're giving them that full presence. So why do we stop doing that with adults? Well, we do that with adults because we're afraid of, again, the outcome. We're afraid of, or we have fear about what somebody's going to do or what they're going to say, or we have an agenda about what we want them to do, right? All this stuff gets in the way. So as you start to gain worthiness, unconditional love, you have to start to have this deeper level of presence with the individual while you're there. What, what can you do to be present in the moment? Like yeah. if you're going into an important conversation, is there something you can do to make sure that you're fully present? Well, I think a couple of things. For one is you can just take three, two, one, relax is what I do a lot. If I'm, if I'm in, the, especially in, in your life where you just got meeting after meeting and you're switching tasks or switching companies or whatever it is, and you go three, two, one, relax, you get in there and then you just re-engage with the visual, like not just kind of checking your phone when you're doing it. You really engage in the visual. You've made eye contact with them. You sit down with them and you become present with them. If you find yourself drifting off into your mind, which you will, mm-hmm. right? Well, you will re-engage them. Ask them a question that's radical, that moves them. And just be very curious for the outcome. The more curious you are about, hey, how does this person really think? You know, we had a Zen Buddhist monk come to Project U and gave us a deep meditation prayer. At the end of it, I was having a conversation with him. And one of the things he said to me, and this guy's been like devoted his life to this, right? He's like, I was having a conversation with my mom about politics. And my mom thinks different than I do. And I, I found myself fighting her. And I realized, man, that is the exact thing that we're talking about in politics is me fighting her, is fighting her for fighting her politics, right? And so he just goes on the chain and goes, man, I had to stop, back off all of that and realize that I, I have to just listen to, really listen to her, what she's saying. Mm-hmm. Instead of me trying to want to have my opinion about it and just jump in there and tell her why I'm right, <laughs> right? Total aside about, about that Zen Buddhist monk that we had, he's also a small business owner, yes, which I, I find fascinating and yes. it is so in line with everything that we talk about. I know, I know, I found it fascinating. And, and so again, it goes back to that. Like that was a great, I was like, wow, that's a great example. I'm going to share yes. that. Like just because it was, there his this guy practices, you know, I don't know, hours a day in, in being present and he found himself being present, but that was the key. He found himself being distracted by his thinking. His thinking was telling him to do it. And he's like, man, the exact thing that I'm judging my mom on is what, she's judging just somebody else on, mm-hmm. right? It's one of these things. It was, I actually had this, and I've shared before with uh, um, somebody that was close to me was having this conversation with one of their girlfriends and they were just, and, and I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there listen, li- looking at both of them and just kind of listening to the conversation. I'm like, man, these two people are just judging like other people and talking bad about them. And then all of a sudden it hit me and I'm going, holy shit. I'm <laughs> sitting there judging them for, for judging ju- other people. I'm like, we're this, now no all difference. of a sudden I feel yeah. better because I can judge them because of what they're doing because I'm not engaged in that conversation. I'm like, holy mackerel. I'm like, that is that is it. That is the waking up though, right? Mm-hmm. That is that presence is, I'm not judging the conversation anymore. I'm no longer, and you're, again, that's why I'm saying I used him as an example because this is a guy who's been practicing all this and he still finds himself in that conversation, right? Mm-hmm. So presence is about, really searching and listening to the individual, what the words they use. Maybe you don't agree. Awesome. Listen to the side of them. You're just going to become more educated. You can, the best debaters in the world are the ones who can take the other side. But if you can't take that other side in a business setting or your personal life setting, right? You know, I mean, that's one of the big things that I, I think on your personal side, when you're making peace and having presence with it is at least for me, I, for a long period of my life, I valued winning higher than I valued somebody else's time in my life, right? Like I just think like winning and money, like values that more, even though I told myself it doesn't, I wasn't there. When I really dug deep on this. I was like, wow, I actually am valuing my time 
mm-hmm. for what I'm doing in the the money that I'm making differently than say like my wife's right like for what her time is doing because I did, where did that value come in there? that was a preconditioned thought that was the ego sneaking its way in there and being like yes you can do that because you are winning right mm-hmm. you are winning in life right that whole conversation instead of going well who says that well it's yeah and I was for yes maybe the money thing but I but even take the money thing out of yes, it it's just, just it's just that achiever mentality yes. valuing achievement, whatever that means, yes. over really just be, being. It's even hard for you to see. Be, being, I know, <laughs> I know. Because I'm thinking yeah. about my relationship with my husband and yes. like he is very present. Yes. And he, when he is doing something, he's in the moment. But I value my go, go, go achievement more than that sometimes. Yes. I, I know we all do. Yeah. Right? We, and that's what I think that people, when you share that, people yet, go. Yeah. Isn't that what I want? Right. Yes. I mean, well, you you want to be an achiever status. It's just when we start taking a superiority over what mm. we're doing versus somebody else when we lost. It doesn't matter changing what you're doing. So go create and achieve because I need you to. Um, right. <laughs> all those things that you're doing. Yes. But at the same time, don't walk around thinking that you're better. I heard right. Eckhart Tolle, you know, once talk about and he's giving this presentation to people who wanted to actually go teach spiritual work. And one of the things he said, he goes, the minute and he, um, I can't even begin to talk as slow as he does. But the minute he was like, his, he gets really slow and he's like. Hey, the minute you get off this, this me teaching, if I walk around, he's talking about Eckhart, if Eckhart walks around thinking that I'm better than any one of you, I've lost. Mm, yeah. And those are kind of my words a little bit, but that's essentially what he said, right? He was just like, the minute I feel superior because I have something that you don't or the knowledge, or I put myself up because you're here listening to me and paid to be here, I've become unconscious too. And it's just a powerful, that just comes with presence is that sometimes when we're working these conversations, you're like, well, I'm the boss. Therefore, my presence feels harder than yours does. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, my opinion should matter more than yours does. And that's the attitude that we take instead of actually stopping. Look, if if they're not at the level or caliber of employee that you need, that's a different conversation. Then then allow them to go to the place that makes sense for them and hire the people that do. But if you hire people that are around you, but you're still walking in there thinking that because you're the boss or the leader or that you've made more money money or that you've winning differently, that your opinion matters more, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Maybe your idea is closer to the truth than somebody else's, but still don't walk in there thinking that you are because then you've become unconscious. That's the point. It may be. Your information may be more valuable, but you thinking that it is puts you at a superiority place versus being present to listening what somebody else could add to your life. Does that make sense? It's it's such a it's such a slippery slope, right? Because what you're saying, because you go, well, well, well my, what I'm saying is actually accurate because nobody else has gone through this. Yes, it is. It, it probably is accurate. However, if you walk into that meeting with this this complex or thinking that you're better because of the knowledge that you have or the experience that you have, instead of thinking like, hey, I have this, I can't wait to share this to make the organization better. It's a different place. You're saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. You're saying it differently. All right. So that's the, that's kind of like the the business and that works in your business. And I just give the example that works in your personal life so much. I think that's such a conversation. Maybe it's not more important in personal life, but it is because in a lot of our relationships, both of our (laughs) partners, right? We, we, are more natural in that kind of winning, right? Stays, if you will, if you use words to kind of describe or put context in there, we're more driven, if you will. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean it's right or wrong. I always ask myself, I'm like, well, who put this, who put this drive in me? Yeah. Right. Like, did I like go out in the back room and create drive and inject it into me and say I'm better now? Yeah. Right. I mean, seriously, like I always like who gave it to me? Well, life did. 
like when you have an incredible intelligence, did you actually create your intelligence? Did you create the fact that you could read faster than everybody or you could comprehend words better? Yes, maybe you've used your skills that you have to become more intelligent. But where did that come from from the beginning? I, you know, I, it's such a, what it does is you ask that question, it, it humbles you. Yeah, that's awesome. Because it humbles you and realize that you're not superior to anybody else. You've now used your skills to gain more assets so you can then add more value. But the minute you think that you're better because of that, you've lost. I heard Warren Buffett say this, and I'll never forget, where he said, he goes, yes, I am very, uh, I'm very wealthy now. And I understand my profession now made me extremely wealthy. But he's like, I just feel like I won the lottery. Because if I was born 200 years ago, I would have been dead at three. <laughs> like, because he's <laughs> like, I can't work. I can't put a nail together. Like he, and he was just so humble by it. He was just like, yes, I was born into an era that allowed me to use my, to use my intelligence here. Again, I could not have done this 200 years ago. I would have been literally dead at three. And I just, I just hold on to that story. Again, it's, and think about how, how humble Warren Buffett is, mm-hmm. right? For what, he, for what he is, right? He's just humble. So again, so it's the first, it's the unconditional love, making peace of the outcome, creating a safe psychological space. The next one is a presence. As you lead in the presence, the presence itself is it's encompassing everything we're talking about leads to that meaningful conversation which means that you can listen to them. You can be present. You're not bringing your agenda. You're making peace with the outcome. You're having this really meaningful conversation now. Now You're just the, in the conversation. You're, the, you're yes, not in your head. Yeah. You're not looking at your phone, checking your yes. time it is. Time it is. <laughs> you're in this meaningful conversation. And you know, I always, um, a mentor of mine once said, he goes, mate, when you go on the air, you should record everything that you're saying because that's when you're really in the present moment. And I used to do a live segment where I did live, yeah. uh, just live everywhere. So you can't change that. Like podcasts, you can record, which we actually never really do. But um, in a- in Because a, we don't care what the outcome yeah, exactly, is. Exactly. We made pieces yes. of it. But when you're on live air, like it's there. And I mean, the, the juices that- f- that came from that though, the conversation that came from that, because I'm not, I don't have time to be in my head or like even maybe people who listen to this have taught something. I'm sure everyone has. When you're up there in front of the room teaching somebody, you're not thinking about, you know, like, hey, like what's this room look like or what's the weather out there or trying to do it. You're just trying to like, okay, I'm engaged. I'm in this moment and the words are flowing. You know, actually you asked this question earlier, right? You said, where does thinking come into play and all this stuff? When you're on this podcast is, are you instantly, when you're talking, you're not thinking about what you're going to say. It just starts to come. I mean, I am taking a few notes. Yes, you are taking notes. Here then and there. you ask the question, but then yes. once you get engaged in the question, you start going on the question, yeah. you then just start rolling with it. Well, here's, I feel like this is a, a good example, especially before, you remember when I went up on stage and there was about 10,000 people? Yes. Oh, and I, I had, yes, because I was almost having a panic attack because yes. I was so nervous. And I really had no idea what I was going to say. I had a small idea of what we were going to talk about, but I had no idea what the person was going to ask me. And you said something to the effect, maybe before, it was, I don't know if it was before or after, because I, I, texted I, right I did a pretty good yeah, job. You did a great job. I, I think, although I cannot today remember what I said, because I was very much in that moment. moment. And you said something about, you're going to just... You already know what you need to say. Yes. You don't need to think about it. You don't need to plan it. You don't need to organize it. You're going to just say it because you already know it. Yes. And that's exactly what happened. Yes. You didn't need to analyze it seven times in your mind with that voice of telling you this word, that word, it just comes out and it flows. That's why being in that moment, people talk about the flow zone all that. That's really all it means is just that you're not using your abstract mind to create what could or what isn't. You're actually in the moment, experiencing the moment by speaking through the moment using your mind as this tool that is so powerful for you. And that's a meaningful conversation is when you're in that type of engagement. If you just ask somebody a question, then all of a sudden you're like, I've got to do this. I've got to do this in your head. Like just checking off the checklist, the yes. grocery list that's going on in your head while you're in the conversation. That's not presence. Well, and back to that example, Gary Keller was the one who was interviewing me and I had to be so present 
to that conversation. I could not pay attention to that because I had no idea what he was going to ask me. And now I'm just reflecting on that and thinking, oh, that's what it feels like yes. to be totally in a conversation and yes. in a moment. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And when you're teaching around a stage like that, mm-hmm. now, you, now you've got the awareness around that. Now you can live your entire life that way. Right. That's, that becomes the next part is like, how do I live that way? All the time. Yes. You weren't worried about the weather. You weren't worried about this or there or what was happening. You were in the moment. So how, how do I you're do that? You're actually experiencing life, right? <laughs> well, that's what you, that's a great, that you're experiencing the depth of the experience because you were forced to. Yes. <laughs> right? Because, But that's the cool part is that now you have that kind of awareness, that wedge in there that says, that's how I can live. And that's all the things that we're talking about allows that. And as I said before, even our, either in our conversation or on when we're talking here, it's like success is a sequential, this inward journey, right? The, the next generation of leaders are more focused on the inward journey because that puts them in this presence moments, which then leads to meaningful conversations, which then leads to meaningful relationships, which then leads to a meaningful company that does amazing things and fosters through money and growth, right? That's where it stems from, all of that, right? Mm-hmm. But it's- um, And then we can take those lessons that we've learned here in business. Yes. And apply them yes. to our personal, personal life. life. <laughs> yes, we all. We, <laughs> Which is the next step. <laughs> yes, exactly. The next step. Um, but yeah, that's this, so the recap. This is making you know you're making peace with the outcome of all things we're talking about. Um, oh, you know, by the, by the way, how you live that though yeah. is by just working on that. It's just finding this this. How do I get into that zone with a person? And, and part of it is, just, is, is all the things we just talked about. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, I, I wish I had like seven words to sum it up for you that way, mm-hmm. but it's, or something that you could detach to it and just put it in there. You can't, you just start living it. And, and pra- practice more of it, and just practice. it. And then yeah. it just stops having this stranglehold on you of your mind. The words are still there. You still see them like you do when you hear your mind. Like when you see people say in the witness state of consciousness, or they, they know they're not their thoughts and it's easy to say that and it sounds good and it feels good or, you know, but at the same time, you're not really doing it. Right? There's so many people that I like you chat with, like, hey, I don't know my thoughts. Have you really heard that? Mm-hmm. Have you really experienced that? Really? No, you've heard it. But have you really understood that you're not your thoughts? Really? Because if you if you did, if you did, you wouldn't have any fear. That's the question, right? That's how you know. If somebody knows, I say, I know I'm not my thoughts, then how come you just had fear? How come it just paralyzed you? And that's not a judgment. That's just a reflection of your mind telling you that you are not your thoughts versus realizing and experiencing that you're not your thoughts. Because once you, once you experience that you're not your thoughts, you've experienced it and then you no longer need to say it <laughs> because you're just acting that way. And that's how you leads to a very meaningful conversation in a relationship. Before I sign off here, folks, I want to let you know about an awesome program I'm offering right now. It's called Project You. And look, it's a year-long, full immersion training for leaders and high achievers. In it, I lead a small group of people just like you through life-changing experiences designed to help you lead yourself and your business to a higher level. Enrollment is open for a short period of time before the program kicks off in March of 2020. Head over to adamhergenrother.com, that's H-E-R-G-E-N-R-O-T-H-E-R, or shoot us an email at hello at adamhergenrother.com for more details. And remember, never give up on joy.